guys. Jeremy here with Simple Life. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Welcome to 2021. You know, I am so excited for the new year. I'm not sure about you, but I really do kind of feel a difference when when we switch into a new year. You know, I, I was debating whether or not I was going to do a podcast today because my schedule is a little crazy right now. And I was like, you know, I just need to get down here and do it. I just need to record an episode. And so I was having breakfast and, and thinking about what are we going to talk about? What should the uh, what should the babble be about today? And I got thinking about how I'm really, really excited for the new year. But in a way, it's kind of weird because it's arbitrary. Ultimately, there's nothing special about, you know, the, the transition from December 31st to January 1st or the first week of a new year, ultimately, those are pretty much the same things. There's a Monday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, it's the same number of days, same hours in a day, but some reason I really do get excited about it. I'm not sure about you, but the new year's always, it feels like this sense of refreshness. This like, yes, there's new chances, new opportunities, but it's all arbitrary. It's all in our minds. And that kind of got me to thinking about the power of the human mind. Uh, I believe it's Abraham Lincoln who gets credited, uh, several other people as well, but I like honest, oh, good old honest Abe. You know, he said a man is about as happy as he makes up his mind to be. That's powerful. And I think it's true. I think the power of our thoughts, what we think, can actually affect how we feel. It can affect our bodies like our physical beings. And so thinking about the new year, uh, you know, I've got a lot of goals, a lot of ambitions. I, I know too, like I always have this kind of weird connotation of New Year's resolutions, right? Because <laughs> the classic thing, you know, everybody makes these resolutions and then they get three weeks into the year and they're done, right? So it's like, if you want to get some fitness equipment, just wait for three weeks and you'll find it at bargain pricing, you know, in the local classifieds. Um, but, but thinking about this and the new opportunities that we have, and the excitement around them and how that's really all just in our minds. You know, how can we use that to our advantage? How can I harness this power, this feeling of rolling over new year and hold on to it throughout the year? Right. Take this in sense of enthusiasm and, you know, new hope and, and carry that with me throughout the rest of the year. It's all in the power of the human mind. I think it's incredible. You know, I think one of the most optimistic people I've ever known is my dad. Uh, my dad's a phenomenal man. Uh, I feel very fortunate to, to have grown up in the home that I did, you know, with a mother and a father who loved each other. Um, and, and I remember watching my dad work. He worked very hard. and My mother worked very hard. Uh, they had a daycare when I was young, and my mom worked there, and my dad worked there, as well as other jobs. But I remember seeing him work and it wasn't a dread, right? He wasn't like dragging his feet, you know, putting the boots on, heading out the door. He always had this sense of excitement that, hey, I, I got to do something today. I have an opportunity to do better or to improve this. What can I add today? My parents, they uh, right now they're in Phoenix. Uh, they didn't come home because of this big old blah, 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 pandemic, pandemic, however you see it. And they, their place in, in Phoenix is actually in Queen Creek. They live in a really nice, it's a gated community. It's a golf course. It's just phenomenal. And they probably lived there for about four years before we ever went to visit them. 
And we're driving there for the first time. We flew into the airport, rented a car, and we're driving out to their place. And you know those signs on the side of the road that say like, you know, Rotary Club or a community hall, kind of like a public service group. And it's just like a little information sign on the highway. Well, right before you turn into this community where my parents live, <laughs> there's a sign and it says the Queen Creek Optimists Club. <laughs> when when we were driving there the first time, my wife and I saw it, we just started laughing. They said, of course, this is where my dad lives. You know, he is the most optimistic person I've ever met. And interesting, like when I look at it, he had some very, very humble beginnings. Uh he was one of 12 children and very, very poor. Uh, my grandfather was, I'd say eccentric, um, kind of a, I wouldn't want to say jerk because I don't want to be disrespectful. Uh, he would go jump on a boat and say, I'll wash dishes to go to India. And so he would do that. He'd literally leave uh, my grandmother with all of these children, however many she had at the time, and he'd just go travel. And poor, 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 poor. If it weren't for people bringing groceries to their doors, uh, they wouldn't have made it, I don't think. Uh, they lived in a community called Three Hills, Alberta, and there's a Prairie Bible College. And sometimes I wonder if the reason they chose to live there is because they felt there'd be more benevolence, more charity from people that work at a Bible college. You know, if you live by a church, hopefully... You know, the good people, air quotes, of the church will bring you things, you know. I, I wonder about that sometimes. But anyways, this whole little sidetrack thing to say he had very humble beginnings. Uh, when he got married, they passed a boot around. And I think uh, between him and my mom, they had like 50 bucks. Like literally they had no money. And he's done well for himself. He, he's worked hard. He's been successful. Uh, lots of lots of work. You know, a lot of people say, oh, right place at the right time. Well, you know, the old expression, luck favors the prepared. I think if you work hard, you're going to get chances. I think you get more breaks, more opportunities if you work harder. I think if you sit around your couch and feel sorry for yourself, you're just not going to get those chances. But in seeing my dad work, again, I, I always was noticed that he was always very excited. He was very optimistic. He was happy. And not just happy like, eh, but there's like always a twinkle in his eye. There still is. And see, I feel naturally I'm quite a, a pessimistic person. I'm, I always kind of like to look at the dark, the, the downside. And, and I, this is changing a bit. As I get older, this changes. But I think the reason I like surly bicycles is because that fits my personality. That's how I feel. I'm just a surly old guy. Like I'm a grumpy man, you know. But the older I get, the more I, I feel that's changing and I think, you know, the more experience you have in life, as long as life's not too hard on you, as long as you don't make too terrible of decisions, but I, I just feel myself getting more optimistic. I feel myself getting happier. And it's just because I'm thinking differently. It's not necessarily that my situation's better. I remember when I got laid off from Sanjel, it was a drudgery working there at the end. You know, I think we had, at, at the peak of our shop, I want to say it's like 150 or 180 guys. Uh, I should know because I always had to kind of keep track of the people there because I was like an advanced first aider. So if somebody got injured, I was the one on the spot. But 
when I got laid off, it was in the fifth round of layoffs and there was 18 people. So you go from 150, 180 to 18 over the course of, I don't know, maybe four, three, four months. Not a fun place to work. You know, every Wednesday they come through and, you know, they'll grab a guy here, grab a guy there. You know what's happening. Uh, they did it Wednesdays because you're less likely to kill yourself on a Wednesday. And uh, it was just a downer. And I remember when I got laid off, I got let go. Uh, I've told this story, I believe, on this podcast before, but I was, I was carpooling with my brother-in-law. We, we rode together all the time. It was wonderful. And uh, I told him, I said, you know what? I said, I'm not going to be working here next week. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, A, I'm going to get laid off today, or B, I'm going to quit on Friday. It was just that bad. And I remember this sense of optimism when they let me go. I was like, yes. And my boss, he's like, what are you talking about? I said, I was so excited for this. And he said, dude, I've been like freaking out. He goes, I've been sick for the last three days knowing that I have to tell you this today. And I'm like, no, man, you are doing me a favor. Thank you so much. And he was kind of floored. He was flabbergasted. And I said, you know what? This isn't a great place to work right now. It was. This was the best job I've ever had, but it's gone, right? We always knew that, that if the price of oil went down, we couldn't sustain the lifestyle <laughs> that we had at this company. I mean, I had hated underground parking. I had a, we had a gym with towel service. <laughs> it was a, every single day before work, I'd go work out for an hour at my work. You know, I'd, I'd park downstairs, walk in the heated underground parking into the gym. From there, I'd go get a coffee and, you know, showers, you name it. It was fantastic. Uh, the, it wasn't opulence, but I'd call it the level of opulence in the workplace was un, unreal. And we knew that it was not going to last forever. It was oil and gas and times were good. And when times are good in oil and gas, times are really good. But I remember when I got laid off, I was so excited. And I called my wife and I said, uh, I got laid off. And she's like, oh no. I was like, no, this is the best thing ever. So my wife came and got me. And again, like uh, it was my brother-in-law's car that we took into work. And I made arrangements to come back the next week with a truck, pick up all my tools, yada, yada. And I thought, you know what? Let's go to Costco. So we went to Costco, bought a whole bunch of stuff. I bought one of these, I don't know, they have these cakes that are like a tuxedo cake, it's called. I got one of those to celebrate. And then we're going home and then some of the in-laws were in town and we said, let's go for lunch. And my wife's like, should we be doing this? I'm like, honey, I am a free man. And I remember, you know, when I kind of look at that, in a way, it's like, oh, you lost your job. That's horrible. But I looked at it as like, I am finally free to do what I want. And ever since then, I've realized that, you know, uh, the, how you look at a situation will determine the outcome of that situation. It's not the situation itself. You know, I could have looked at that and said, well, I don't have a job now. I was stoked. I was like, yes, I'm going to figure this out. You know, we made a plan over the next week or so, two weeks to start building our house out here. You know, we had bought this land and the idea was just to sit on this little piece of land because, you know, finding land was getting harder and harder. So we thought, okay, we're going to do this. Maybe in 10 years we'll be able to build until then we can have a place to go, you know, have picnics and do campfires, whatever. And then we thought, you know what, why don't we sell our house in town? And we'll take that and we'll just build our own house, right? And all these things started falling into place. And even the fact, you know, we, we had a, a friend, a guy used to work with, did the drawings for this house that we wanted. So he did custom drawings for us. 
And he said he would have them done in three weeks. And we didn't get them that year. This was in the spring that I'd gotten laid off. The plan was to get the drawings, you know, start building, hopefully before, you know, summer actually started, go hard and have a house sealed up and ready to move into by Christmas time. Well, that didn't work out because our drawings weren't done. And then we had problems permitting. And in time, in the in meantime, we had actually sold our house uh, in Strathmore and the people that wanted it, wanted it now. So that, okay, fine. So we bought a fifth wheel, an RV, and we plopped it out there and said, we're going to camp for this <laughs> summer. And that summer turned into two and a half years. You know, it wasn't necessarily easy, but I didn't hate it. It was getting difficult. And as the boys were was like, okay, we're going to have some teenagers soon. We need to kind of get this situation sorted out. But I had a good attitude about living in a fifth wheel in the wintertime with four kids and homeschooling four kids. My wife had a good attitude about it. And I think that's, that's what made that bearable is, is what we put our minds to, what we decided to think about. It also helped the fact that, you know, our boys were in hockey and so that kept us very busy. Uh, my daughter was in dance, so that kept her very busy. We were literally always going and um, it's funny because there's still this sense. I remember in, in the wintertime, we'd come back from hockey and it was like a Sunday afternoon or something. And we we're finally done our running around for the week, for the weekend. And we would, uh, we called it an acti fry night. We'd take one of these air fryers, get a whole bunch of like horrible food, chicken nuggets, matzo sticks, French fries. And we would turn this little RV heater up really high <laughs> and it was cold outside and we would just kind of have a fun night and, and well, we maybe watch a movie or something. We didn't have enough seating where we could <laughs> watch TV at the same time, but we would just have an active Friday night. And even today, you know, our kids are like, oh, I missed those Sunday afternoons. And I'm like, look around, kids. <laughs> we, we finished this nice house. We live in a beautiful place. And you miss those nights <laughs> when, you know, we're in a fifth wheel and it's minus 25 out. Uh, I wish I documented that RV living experience more. It was funny because I didn't want anybody to know on my YouTube, so I kind of hid it, sort of. I I think if I would have, uh, you know, if I would have done a little bit more showing that, I think my channel could have gone uh, in different directions, uh, especially now, like van living and, and tiny home living. And even back then it was kind of popular, but I wasn't necessarily doing it to be cool, right? I was kind of like, I was doing it because I didn't have a house to live in. <laughs> and so maybe there's a certain sense where it's like, let's just, let's just not show this part. Uh, and then people think you're insane when they hear that you live in an RV in Canada with four children. They really do. They look at you like you're nutso. And, and maybe you have to be. Maybe you just tell yourself everything's good and that makes you crazy. Um, but even with just pictures for my own sake, you know, where I slept, it was like this pop out of this RV and we had the whole underside of the RV skirted. Like I framed it with two by sixes. Uh, so basically built walls under the entire thing. I insulated that, I vapor barriered that. And even like these pop outs were completely sealed in. So essentially it was like a, a crawl space underneath our RV. And we ended up parking our RV in a situation so that our well, our water well, was just underneath one of the pop-outs and then framed in. So most of the time it wouldn't freeze up. Now, if we got to like minus 20, 
Uh, minus 20 with wind or minus 25 with no wind, uh, the lines would just start to freeze and I'd have to go out there with a heat gun and kind of defrost them. And obviously only at night when the water wasn't running. But one of the things that I wish I'd taken a photo of was on this wall of the pop-out. When it would get cold, like if we had a cold, cold couple days, ice would start to build up. And there's one point where beside my head where I sleep at night, there's about four inch thick ice block on the wall. And that's not, not an exaggeration. Uh, I mean, the rest of the room was relatively warm. It was definitely colder if I was on that side of the bed. But I look at that and I was excited to be there. You know, this was an adventure for our family. We were out on our own piece of land. We were, air quotes, homesteading. And I was excited about it. And it was that optimism, that attitude that made that bearable. You know, if I wasn't excited about what we were doing and, and that was the same time I had a shipping container, I was, I was excited to buy a shipping container. I've always wanted one for some strange reason. And then turn it into a shop. And then I remember I cut windows in it and then I started filming YouTube videos. And I'm like, this is so fun. This is cool. I think about that and it's my attitude that got me through that. And I wouldn't even say through that. It's, it's what made that part of my life, that time, so special. And I look back and I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even wanted to build a brand new house out here and move from our house in town straight into a house here. That intermediate step taught us so much. I, I think we grew as a family. My wife and I definitely grew closer together. You know, when you've got a family that's awake in the morning and there's no running water <laughs> and I'm underneath there trying to thaw things out and I have to ask my wife on a walkie-talkie, run this, run this, you know. It's incredible how those things bring you together. And it was our attitude that made it enjoyable. And so I guess that's what I want to uh, kind of bring into the new year. And I encourage you guys to think about this year. What is the attitude that you're going to choose for 2021? How is your mind going to manipulate your life? Because ultimately that's how it works. If you decide something is great, it is great. If you decide something is bad, it is bad. Abraham Lincoln, a man is about as happy as he makes up his mind to be. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed this. We will see you on the next one. Cheers.